evening, brethren. I'm glad to be in your midst tonight again with this privilege to share with you in the gospel. Let me see. If you check this table, what we have there is. I want to show. If you check the front of this table, what you see there is, uh, do this in remembrance of me. And I love that each time I see that on, um, you know, sanctuary table or whatever, where I said, it will be beautiful if every lost church on their pulpit have engrained, like Micaiah said, as the Lord leaves, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will do. So that has been my, you know, uh, motto all, all the while. Where we read as a background, <clears throat> Jesus was telling his disciple, you know, the concept of eating human flesh or drinking blood, and they, they were thinking he was talking of cannibalism, you know, eating human flesh, drinking human blood. They could not comprehend what Jesus was talking about. And so the disciple came to him and told him, you know, Master, some of the things you said offend people. And many of them, you know, the Bible says from that time, they turned back, they no longer followed him. He asked them, do you want to go also? Now, in the lost church today, I've seen sometimes the truth gets bitter and people struggled. And said, if we continue this way, we will not be many. You know, and so we have to bend the truths. We have to try as much as possible to accommodate as many people we want to. We can accommodate, you know, so that we can be many, so that the treasury can increase, you know, and all of those. But those are deceptive of the, of the devil. <clears throat> Tonight, what I want to discuss with us, you know, is the dilemma of choosing between deceptive lies and unsettling truths. The dilemma of choosing between deceptive lies and unsettling truths. If you check this cover of the Bible, I don't know, tone red or what, right? If I begin to tell you that this is black, or I begin to tell you, I say, do you see this my black Bible? Over time, you come to believe that it's black. You know, that's how lie works. You tell it for enough time. It becomes, people take it that that is the right things. But as children of God, we have the responsibility to take a side as to what we want to do and what we want to stand for. When we say dilemma, so what are we talking about? We're talking of a situation in which a difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives, especially on equal, on, you know, equal undesirable one, or a difficult situation or a problem. So when I say the dilemma of choosing between deceptive lies and unsettling truths, it's a problem that you need to tell yourself where you need to belong. You need to choose. You cannot sit on the fence. Sometimes what we do is we sit on the fence because we don't want to, I don't want to offend this side or, you know, so I cannot find a balance. With the word of God, you don't. You have to take a stand for what is right. You are welcome, Brother Jacob. We are glad you are here. Tonight, our focal point for this lesson 
is how to take a position when we find ourselves in a difficult situation of choosing between lie and truth. So if I ask, what's our lesson objectives? The objectives tonight is to be able to decipher where we will be when we find ourselves in a situation that looks like it's tough, but we need to make a position that will be pleasant in the sight of God. Now, number one point. Regardless of the situation we find ourselves, we must speak the truth. Correct? That's what it ought to be. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation is. Somebody asks you, you don't say, uh, I'll think about it when you know the answer. You must take a stand for what is right. God's truth is often unsettling and uncomfortable as it convicts sinners. It convicts sins. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. The root word of the word sound doctrine is from the root word that means something that is not diseased. Now, you can tell when you are sick how you feel in your body, right? And you kind of tell yourself that, I, I'm not feeling good. I need to see a doctor, right? Now, that, that, that means something is wrong with your health. Now, sometimes in the body, what we consume is unhealthy. And Paul is telling Timothy, the message you preach must be such that it's healthy that when people hear it, it gives them spiritual healings. Why? The reason is because what people want to hear is not what will benefit their lives. So my boy sometimes doesn't like to eat vegetables. He, he, he kind of cherry choose, you know, cherry pick, you know, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And then I tell him, I said, listen, if you see me eat something, eat it is good. Right? So sometimes it's not about what our kids want to eat, but what is healthy for them. Now, so when it comes to spiritual message, it's not what people what Paul is saying, not what they want to hear, but what is sound that will give their soul spiritual healing. That's what you preach to them. I want to give examples of some, you know, people who took their stand in a situation where they need to take a position. And I'm, I'm not ignorant of the fact that there are many issues on the lost church and faithful brethren refuse to take a position as to where they are standing. Herod and Herodias, you know the story. In Mark chapter 6, 
John the Baptist went to Herod and told him, you know, you took your, wife, your brother's wife, Philips, and it's not right for you to do. For Herod himself has sent and laid hold on John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For he had married her because John has said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You know the story. John told him, you are in a daughter's relationship. It was very clear. Now, I, I needed to look again the root word used there. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And I need to make this very clear. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you, I'm in a lawful relationship with my wife. Man marrying man. And they tell you, we've got government's certificate that shows that we are married. That is not, so that is not the lawful we're talking about here. When this was written, it was written from the root word, the concept that you are doing what is pleasing. When John told him, this woman is not your lawful wife, that this is not what God wants you to do. You are going against the law of God. You need to leave the woman. It's your brother's wife. So today you have people that have been certified. Woman, woman marrying a woman or a man marrying a... That is, not, that is unholy relationship. That's not what the Bible is saying. You need to get out of those relationships. It's as pure as that. No, no two ways about it. But I want us to know that Herod stood for what is right, but he cost him something. He cost him his head. John. Now, sometimes when you stand for the truth, it will cost you something. People might not like you. People might hate you. They might see you as someone who is creating divisions. Or somebody who is anti-progressive. Now you see, they said we should not have football pitch here. They said we shouldn't have a kitchen. They said we shouldn't. And you bring all of those, right? And they said, that, that's why we are not many here. If only we introduce these innovations, you know, we'll be many. That is devil's deception. It's a lie. When you are in a difficult situation, and you see that what is happening is not what God wants us to do. Please take a position. John took a position and it cost him something. Jesus took a position. He cost him his life. That is how he brought salvation to us. And all of the apostles, we can see the examples. We have in Acts of Apostles chapter 7, verse 1. Stephen stood before the high priest. He was refuting their first accusations. In verse 51, as we read through all the way down to verse 60, in verse 51, the Bible says, He told them, You stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always receive the Holy Spirit as your father did, so do you. Which of the prophets do your father not persecute, persecute? And they kill those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayer and murderers who have received the law by the direction of the angels and have not kept it. I need you to look carefully at verse 54 and reflect back to Acts of Apostles chapter 2. The same message that was preached that some people were convicted in their hearts and they asked men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? The same message was preached and this time around they cut somebody his head. Verse 24, when they hear these things, 
they were caught to the heart. And when they were caught to the heart, instead of repenting, the Bible says, and they gnash at him with their teeth. Now, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. Now, as he said all of those, that I see Christ standing, the people were rushing, what a blasphemy, and they stole him to death. That is the consequences for standing for the truth. The people who preach on the day of Pentecost, it looks like they were not persecuted, right? No, you just need to read further into Acts of Apostles chapter 8. The church was scattered. And what happened was, they went different directions. Now, contrary to what they wanted to do then, was that they want to remain still in Jerusalem. That wasn't the God's plan. Because the plan for God was that the gospel will begin from Jerusalem to Samaria to Judea and to the uttermost parts. So they, they tend to be sitting down just comfortably. Then God brought persecution. Now, sometimes when there is division, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, it allows to see those who are really standing for the Lord. We know those who have been thoroughly bred in the word of God and who want to do what God says. Felix and Drusilla. I need you to take note of that passage. Acts of Apostles chapter 24. Felix and Drusilla, his wife. Paul had come before Felix for his defense. You know, and he sat down and he said, oh, it's been long, I want to, let me hear your defense. Let me hear what you want to say. And Paul made all of the, you know, introduction. I'm glad you as a judge, you know, you understand perfectly well some of the things these people are accusing me for. But verse 24. For we have found this man, they lay an accusation against him. You know, so after, having said that in 24, he said, after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul. And heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, the Bible says Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. I, I, I read the whole of Acts. I, I didn't see where Felix called back for Paul. You know, that come and sell the message. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was expecting at some point that Paul would give him a bribe. After Paul, after Paul, you know, reason to him about righteousness, self-control, and judgment. He was the expecting bribe. But here is the point I want you to note. That even before a magistrate, before a judge, a man of that high status, Paul still witnessed Christ. He spoke the truth. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. There will always be opportunity for you to do what? To share your conviction, your belief, your faith in God. And at every height or every position you have attained in life, you will come across some people at that level who can share the gospel of Christ and stand for what is right. Reason. Why? Why do we need to speak the truth? Why do we need to stand for what is right? Truth unsettles the deceptive lies of our adversary, the devil. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 44, You are of your father, the devil, 
and the desire of your father you want to do. He was telling the Jews. He was a murderer from the, from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. When the Bible says he speaks from his resources, you, you are aware with Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of America. Right? He controls on the back, right? And if they get into a problem, he can't get him out, right? Yeah. They, they have the mechanism. The devil has in his resources, in his asthma, you know, enough you know, machinery to equip people to do his bidding. And when you see people standing for what is wrong, standing for lies, and they are reinforcing it, teaching it, and spreading it, don't get it wrong. Don't get it mixed up. The Bible says they are of the devil, their father. And it doesn't matter which forms it comes. That's why we call it deceptive. In the book of Hebrew, the author of Hebrew said, he described it as way that they are lament of sin. You know, it's, it's, so, it's so deceptive that you feel more comfortable with it. Generally, you know, you become so relaxed. And as you do that, you are being, you know, lead astray, you know, day after day. That is how deceptive lies work. Why is it unsettling truth? Each time you introduce truth into a lie, people get agitated. If I come here today and I probably, you, have, you don't have basketball feet, and I'm glad you don't have all of those social gospel nonsense. And if I get to any of those congregations and I tell them, you are wasting the lost resources, you know, building all of this, they get irritated, Right? Yeah, I've just spoken the truth, but they get irritated. What is that? Do we use your money? By the way, he's not even a member of this place. Why is he coming to tell us? But we must do that. The reason we must always speak the truth is what I'm showing us, that we must be more concerned about the souls of those walking this suddenly. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 11. I want to show here specifically. And somebody asked me, Roland, so exactly what is your problem with what is going on over there? Exactly what is your problem? Why, why, why can't you just leave them and say, wait? These are people that God sent Christ to die for. And God doesn't want them to, to perish. And I tell you, brethren, now I'm not speaking about the denominational word. When I get there, I will apply it. I'm talking now about my brethren. I'm afraid for their soul. And you know why? Because Christ is afraid for their soul. That is why he's long-suffering. So I'm afraid for their soul. If you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 9-11, Therefore, we make it our aim, Apostle Paul said, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the flesh according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust, are well known in your conscience. Look, say, knowing the terror of God, they persuade men. Knowing the terror of God, I said to my brethren, listen, you just need to take a journey through the Old Testament and do few readings. 
You don't need to read the Old Testament. The whole, you know, just few instances. The word of Noah, just eight souls was saved. God is not interested in numbers. But he wants every man to be saved. Right? So he asked Noah to preach to the, that generation. Preach to them. Tell them to come. Enter into the ark. They refused. God did not say because just the family of Noah alone obeyed. When they got in, he locked the ark and the people perished. Just eight souls were saved. God killed Nadab and Abihu just as I was standing. They were on the temple, on the altar, I mean, offering. The Bible said they took strange fire and God killed them. God killed Usa in 2 Kings chapter 7, 2 Samuel. God killed him. Why? He touched the ark. The ark was, you know, stumbled and was going to fall. And he said, no, God forbid this should happen. But God killed him because he was not supposed to do that. There's a tribe that is dedicated with that assignment. Now, God did not spare all of those. He would be partial, and God is not partial. To spare today brethren who are going against the will of God. Second John 9. Whoever, you know, transgress. Now, the word used there, transgress, from the Greek means anomia. You know, to cross a border, a line. You go beyond what is written. It's a sin. And each time you do that, God looks away. Because you are violating the law of God. And so... I said, how do you think today that our loving Father will spare all of those disobedient? No. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. And that is why God is taking that grace, that long suffering. I guess it's the next one. Because it's not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but his long-suffering towards all, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when I tell my brethren, I say, please, I am pleading with you. Just do what is revealed. That should be okay. It's called simple obedience. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus, though he were his son, learned obedience things was commanded. And he became the author of salvation to all those who obey him. Simple obedience is not difficult. The law of God is not grievous. Simple. Number two. I want us to consider some deceptive lies as we have today. Faith on the saves. You've heard that popular saying. You know, Jesus, Jesus died for my sin. That's okay. You know, I don't need anything to do. That is devil's deception. That's not true. Unsettling truths that upset that lies. No. We are not saved by faith alone. James 2, 21 to 24. James wrote to his audience, Was not Abraham our father? James 2, 21 to 24. Was not Abraham our father justified by works 
when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his work? And by work, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled. We see, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So, those that say, oh no, just, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that will suffice. No, that is devil's deception. That is not true. Acts 2, 37 to 38. On the day of Pentecost, when the message was preached, that's one of the hardest messages I've ever seen, and that of Paul, Philip. Listen to what he said. When you start from verse 23, he said, you, by the determinate counsel of your heart, you take the Son of God and you crucified him. You killed him. And as it continued, the people came to realization in verse 36. And I said, just as I was speaking, they did not allow the preachers on that day to finish. Okay, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And the preachers, you know, immediately said, yeah, you need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sin. That's what they need to do. So the, the, the message convicted them. And they asked, so what next? So not faith only. That is devil's deception. I'm reading now. And I love to read this in the Bible. You know, any translations. Those who say faith only saves. And I, I'm, I'm very conversant with other Bible passages that will pull. And then I tell them in the context what those Bible passages are saying. But how you know what you are saying is not correct is when you begin to use scripture to conflict another scripture. These are plain Bible you know, passages that we can see what people do. In verse, in verse 38, we were told they got baptized. But when you, when you get to verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were baptized. Were, were saved. You know, as they were baptized, the Lord added them, if you look at verse 47. That's what they did. They were not told, put your hand on the radio. Put your hand on the television and say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. None of those you will ever find in the scripture. It's as simple as that. Therefore, we do not end salvation. We obey the master who blesses us with salvation. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. In the book of Romans, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When people say that, I say, can you just take a moment to pause and reflect? There is always benefit when you sit down and reflect. Paul wrote this epistle. If you say Paul is teaching that faith alone is what is required, do you realize Paul was baptized? On his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians, he was arrested. And after three days, Ananias was sent to him. And when Ananias got in verse um, 22, he told him, uh, Paul, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized. And what? And wash away your sins. I said, that is the Paul you are quoting his epistle. 
That's what he did. You have not done that. You need to do it. You just need to sit down and look. Put those Bible passages together. Don't let man reason. The Bible says, First Corinthians 4, 6, we should not think of men above that which is written. You need to read. It's very, you know. That looks 1710. The problem today is that people struggled to do what God says. Sometimes they want to see the immediate results. Jesus told the disciples, when you have done what you need to do, then you say, we are like unprofitable servants. What you request of us to do is what we have done. So when the Bible says, you must hear, you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Turn away from your sin. Be baptized and be added. That's simple. That's what God wants you to do. You just do it and you say the blessing that follow. Another lies of the devil. Gaining popularity today is that good moral people will be saved. I used to know one man, very good man. Are you telling me that man, you know, he used to feed 100 people. He, he used to clothe people. You know, when you don't have a car, he buy you a car. You know, he send you to school and pay your school fees. Are you telling me when that man dies, he goes to hellfire? That's a supposition, supposition question. What, 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 what do we call them? Yeah, supposition. What if? What if? And I've had, you know, suppose, supposition question like, 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 what if somebody is going for baptism and he dies on the way? Well, are you saying he will not go to heaven? That's not my business. I will not sit on the you know, judgment seat of Christ and begin to dish out judgments. You, as you are standing, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Don't ask me supposition questions like, what if? What if? No. Good moral people will not be safe unless they obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Read with me, Acts of Apostles chapter 10. The case of Colinius. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Colinius, a centurion of, of what was called the Italians' regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God. Do you see the quality of this man? With all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. He was not saved with all his morality. What did he need to do? Peter was sent to him. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Colinion and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Colinion the centurion, a just man, one who feared God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was the filing instructed by a holy angel to summon you to this house, to his house, and to hear words from you. In verse 48, we're told that he and his whole household submitted to the gospel. It's as simple. Apostle Peter, when he saw what happened, he said, oh, these people have just received the gift of just as it happened to us when we were waiting in Jerusalem in Acts of Apostles chapter 1. He said, oh, this is wonderful. And God did that on purpose to show that the gates had been opened the gate of salvation has been opened to the Gentiles. They have now been co, you know, opted into the grace of God, just like the Jews. That's what they did. They didn't say, you know, 
So if Colinia was a good man, a righteous man, devoted man, one who prayed to God, need to hear the gospel. Obey it and be baptized. Why are people still being carried away with a false notion that all you need to do today is just be good, just do good to people? No, that is not true. That is the devil's deception. Another lies. There are many ways to heaven. Therefore, choose the church or religion of your choice. Uh, we serve the same God, brother. You know, yeah, yeah, which church? Yeah, we, are, we are serving the same. It's the same God we are serving. Yes, the same. No, it's not true. It's devil's deception. There are not many ways to heaven, but there are many ways to hellfire. Yeah. That you can follow. Yes, it's just one way to heaven. John 14, verse 6. That is the unsettling truth that upset that lies. John 14, 6. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, you cannot assess God unless you come through Jesus Christ. It has to be Jesus Christ, not Muhammad. Not some kind of Buddhist, you know, prophet. No. It has to be true Jesus Christ. Acts of Apostles chapter 4 verse 12. Nor is there any salvation in any other. There is no salvation in Islam. No salvation in church of synagogue of Satan. Not in any other. That's what he, the, the place is saying. For there is no other name under heaven. No other name. Not Muhammad. Not anybody. Except Jesus Christ, under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved, except through Jesus Christ. That is the truth. It looks hard, but that is the truth. Only one church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus had asked, you know the background. Who do men say I am? They gave various answers. You are Elijah. You are they. And Jesus said, you, my disciple, who do you think I am. Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Upon this truth, I will build my church. Just similar usage. Jesus said he will build his church. In Acts of Apostles chapter 20, verse 28, when Paul called for the elders of Ephesus, he said to him, Take heed to the church of God that he Purchase with his own blood. So Jesus purchases just. And in it is where we can find salvation. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23, God has put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filled all. That is what it is. You move ahead to chapter 4, verse 4. He said there is just one body. That's what it is. Anybody want to be saved today need to come into the church of Christ that Jesus died for. One act God established to save man mankind from destruction. People refused to enter the act. They were lost. The antitype of it is the church today. Just one church God has established. As many as fail to come in and be obedient in it, we have their soul in jeopardy. It's as simple as that. Another 
lies of the devils. There is no hellfire. But can you tell me the location of hellfire? So, so where is it? In which heaven? You know, where, where? You've been there before? Your uncle have been? You know, they sell all of those. Come on. The Bible says, our God is a consuming fire. I said, because he doesn't want people to go there, that's why he looks like he's slow. You know, he's giving that grace for people to turn back and return to him. The unsettling truth is hell is real. And many are headed there. They are on the way there. Matthew chapter 7. I read from verse 13. Matthew 7 from verse 13. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who goes in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. 25 verse 41. Then Jesus said, then Jesus will also said to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angel. Unfortunately, that place was prepared for the devil and his angel. But unfortunately, some children of God have chosen to go that route. It's so sad. Revelation 21 verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, Sorcerer, idolater, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That is the word of God. Amen. The next point, devil's liar. All remarriages are acceptable. The truth down settles that. There is only one cause for putting away one spouse. Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. Jesus said, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commit adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commit adultery. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11. Now to the married I command, Paul said, Yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And the husband is not to divorce his wife. Let me bring another perspective. Because of our contemporary situations, we find ourselves. I said to the homosexuals or the lesbians who have married themselves, you need to divorce yourselves. That's, those are immoral you know, relationships. Those are adulterous relationships. You need to cut it off and go look for a man to marry. Look for a woman to marry. That's what, you know. So if you're in that kind of married relationship, oh yes, what this place is saying, Matthew, you need to cut off that relationship and go look for a man to marry or a woman to marry. That is how it ought to be. It's as simple as that. It's hard, but that's the truth. So even though the governments of any nation may have given them the license to marry as man and man or woman as woman, and said, yeah, we are lovely married. You are lovely married, but you are unscripturally, unscripturally married. Your marriage is not scriptural. And if you continue in those relationships, you will end up in hellfire. It's as simple as that. Not complicated. We just make it complicated sometimes. Another lies of the devil. Once saved, always save. 
Yeah. Eternal security. Jesus has died for me. I mean, I'm a child of God. You know. Now, you see, I so much hate this kind of lies or doctrine so badly that if you look at many implications it has, it's so terrible. Once I always say, you know, if you begin to pull the strings, it means you can live your life the way you want to live your life. You can join the synagogue of Satan. You can do horrible things and conclude that, oh, Jesus has died for me. I'm, I'm, I'm secured. That is devil's lie. And how people reach that conclusion, I don't know. The ascending truth is this. Christian can fall away and be lost. That is the truth. If it is not so, read with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 to 3. Now the Spirit expressly say that in later time, some will depart from the faith given heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This is one of them. One say, we always say, they are doctrines of demons. In Hebrew, chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, the author of Hebrews wrote to his audience, said, beware, brethren. Now, note the word beware. So let me tell you, beware. You need to watch out. Watch, watch it. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Do you say the word departing? It means to apostatize, to fall away from the faith. That's what it means. You need to watch out for it. What's the solution? Exhort one another daily. Why it is called today? Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. It means faithfulness is required from us. You can't just live your life anyhow because you don't know when Christ is coming back. And so when somebody says, oh, Once they've always said, I said, no, that's, that's not true. That's a lie. You sit down. Let me show you some other Bible passages that show that you are not correct. If you have time, you can look at 2 Peter 1. You know, I have it you know, here. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. You need to work diligent. Similar to what Paul told the Philippians in 2.11. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If once they've always said, I don't need to watch out for my salvation with fear and trembling. I just need to live my life the way I want. Therefore, brethren, be more even diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You will never fall. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Another lies of the devil. And this one is very potent, even among the churches of Christ. But I'm glad this congregation stands for the truth. Please keep it on. We are, as a family, when we saw this congregation, we are happy. We are glad that you are standing for the truth. And, and I've been on three continents. I can say that, that that is what it is. Social gospel is a potent tool to win people to Christ. 
That's a devil's deception. It's a devil's lie. And maybe many people, our children might not know what is social gospel. The social gospel, you know, is so broad that, you know, it said, how do you think, you know, the, the children in this, in this community, if we just have some basketball, you know, field outside, you know, if we just organize some, you know, you know, as a church, and then we'll bring them, you know, just imagine how children will, will troop into this place, and just imagine how many souls will we, you know, through that means, win for Christ, and they'll sell all of those. And it, and it, it sounds beautiful, right? You, when you hear those kind of arguments, the unsettling truth is this. The gospel is the power of God to win people over to Christ. Romans 1, 16 and 17. I need you to look at it carefully. For I am not ashamed, Apostle Paul said, and I am not either. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Not so gospel, not basketball, not inviting people with food <laughs> to come, not promising people, when you come to our church, we pay your school fees. You come to our church, we solve all your problems. No, I can do that as a person. If I see somebody, I can do that. And this church has a responsibility to take care of their needy people. That's what the Bible says. But nowhere will you read in the Bible that you should go out and go and bring people with food. Or you invite them, lure them, you know, into the body with, you know, social things. You, know, you won't find that. In John chapter 6, where we read, the people were looking for Jesus all around. You know, they didn't see him at one point. Then they crossed over. Master, we are here. We want to hear. He said, no, you are not looking for me. You are looking for food. Yes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. It is in the word of God that we have the power, the, the, the potency that can win people to Christ. And I say, if you bring people through social gospel, when it's not there, listen to me, brethren, they will go out. They will go and look for it elsewhere where they can get it. If you no longer can give them. If people are not convinced, if people are not won over to Christ through the word, then they can't live any time. Yes, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That is what it is. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And I said, quote this, my brethren doesn't like it. I say, brethren, this place, Apostle Paul is talking to you. Yeah, at that time, it looks like he was talking to the erudites, you know, scholars, you know, the Greeks, the Jews. I said, now, this place is talking to us. Let's apply this to us. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, to us who have been saved, it is the power of God. And I tell my brethren, the word of God is looking foolishness to you because you believe it is not potent enough to do what God said it would do. The word of God is potent, is strong and mighty. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it said it's a discerner of the heart. He can see through, he can penetrate. That is how powerful and potent it is. But we said, no, we have to use other means. And I have seen churches that stand by the word of God, preach the word of God. What you find is members become strong spiritually and physically. That's what you get. That when you leave this place and go to other places, you become very uncomfortable. You want to meet with other faithful brethren. That is the power of God. 
If that is not the case, you'll be looking for where you will get social gospel to hear. Where you have food, coffee to drink very early in the morning when you come. Conclusion. Sorry that I've taken your time. I'm so sorry. We must endeavor to please God, not man. At all times. Remember when we started, we said, why do we stand for the truth? Why we must stand? That's where we started from. We must endeavor to please God, not man. Apostle Paul said in, first, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a cause. It doesn't matter the status of the man or the preacher preaching. It doesn't matter which university he graduated Many of the disciples of Christ didn't go through university system. They were tutored at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where he comes from. If he says something that is not in the word of God, throw it off board. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preach any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be a cause. Verse 10, he said, you know why I said this? For do I now persuade men of God? Do I begin to please you or God? Do I begin to tell you what you want to hear? No, I'm sorry. Another place will tell them, who has bewitched you? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I will not be a bond servant of Christ. And you can take that position too. Wherever you find yourself, stand for the truth. Because of our time. 2 Kings 22, 5-8. That, that used to be my favorite uh, you know, passage. And that was the story of Micaiah. We know it. And I'll just draw. And that was where, you know, that um, say, as long, as long as the Lord liveth, whatsoever the Lord says. Now, you see what happened there. When Jesus ever said, asked him, why are all these prophets, 300 about them, you know, saying just the same thing? Uh, sorry. Is there no prophet beside? Did you hear the word? Is there no prophet other prophet we can just cross-reference, just to check. There is one. Will you be that one person? Say, there is one. Say, oh, let's call him, say, but I don't like him. When you stand for the truth, you will not be liked. I, I, I don't like him. He never prophesies anything good. But he says the truth. But I don't like it. That's what he said. He said, let, let it. Now, when Micaiah was sent for, and those people who got there, what did they say? They pleaded with him, please. Make sure when you get there, let your word align. I said, oh, interesting. Micaiah is not part of the ministerial alliance, religious alliance in that choir. So they went and then told him, be very careful when you get it, know what you say. And then as he was going, he said, all right, I will go. But as the Lord liveth, whatsoever the Lord says, is what I will say. And I'm glad that's what this congregation is doing. What should be our resolve? Haven't heard all of this message. We must stand with the truth always. That's what our resolve should be. And I'm glad that this congregation is already doing that. Please continue to do it. Continue to stand firm. If you are here tonight and you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, this is another moment for you that God has provided. Will you not? Why not? Consider your way and submit to God in the water of baptism. Thank you, Lord.